Hi, everyone. I'm hoping you guys can join us for this um, great conversation on why microdose. And as I mentioned here and there in some of our talks and also on our live meetings, um, we did kind of mention that we'll be starting to talk about microdosing psilocybin very soon in the group. And uh, this is one of the first of our Facebook lives. We're going to be doing about four. That's the plan um, for now. And this will take place every Sunday uh, around midday. Um, hope it kind of works for you guys. If you can jump on live while we're on live, would be even nice, even more nicer if you could just uh, say hello, comment, and then kind of um, also ask questions. I think these lives, we can use them to utilize in sort of um, questions and uh, if we can just kind of uh, answer as much as we can. Also, um, if you have any experiences with microdosing, I think that would be really awesome to share. If you have any experience with psilocybin, again, that would be, again, a huge big thing for us to, to find out that you, you guys are also um, in the background, in, in behind the scenes, kind of have that relationship with psychedelics. So this is one of those uh, controversial topics as you guys know as you guys know but but the, the good thing is that we're in the safe space uh in this group we can talk about many many topics and concepts so that being said i think psychedelics is coming um out of the woods um currently um although a lot of people shy away from talking talking about it um as you guys know it's just has a long history of stigma and negativity around it therefore um interestingly uh, it's really ironic because a lot of people use psychedelics but they don't talk about it uh, which is like what i found and i guess that's got to do with a lot of mindset and um, negativity around it and, and like i said the whole history behind psychedelics but but the most exciting news that, um, that is emerging right now currently is that um, psychedelic can actually be the new hope in the mental health space um, and well-being for that matter and we're going to dive into that today so i have kadel with me and we're going to dive into it as you guys know um i usually um let kadel kind of give us the context he's going to share a lot of the scientific facts and scientific findings around microdosing and then we can go into it in detail what is microdosing so hi Kalal. hey um so just jumping off of that point of of psychedelics being a new hope in the mental health um scene i think that like first maybe let's let, let me let me just descri describe a little bit what is microdosing i mean i've got a i've got got some slides here um maybe i could even share my my slide can i can i can i share my can i share yeah i can yes you can i'll just have to add it okay i've got I've, i think i've got it here there, can you see? Yeah, I'm just gonna add it. Yep. Okay. Can all of you see that? 
Are you, Susan, can you see that? I definitely can, yeah, go for it. Cool, so this is just a slide that describes what, what microdosing is. So you can see there, it says it's consuming a sub-perceptible dose of a psychedelic substance for cognitive enhancement and general well-being. So the crucial dimension here is that microdosing has nothing to do with your conventional notion of psychedelics where um, you see on the left-hand side of the screen there um, of an extreme alteration of cognition, perception, or emotion. So when you take what's called a hero's dose of psychedelics, you're gonna have psychedelic visions, you're gonna have extremely different mental states, your perception's gonna be altered, you're gonna experience very um, deep unconscious emotions. Um, but microdosing is nothing like that. Uh, microdosing uh, is subperceptible, meaning your, your normal cognition, your normal perception, your normal emotion, it's just a slight enhancement of your, your, your basic perception and cognition of, of the world. You, you basically just feel like the, in, the, in the, one of the most popular books on microdosing, called A Really Good Day, you just feel like you're having a really good day. Uh, it's, it's just a slight boost in your emotional mood. Um, and um, you can still, you know, as long as it's not a very high microdose, um, and there are levels to this, which we can get into in the, in the maybe in this talk or, or future talks. Um, you can go about your day kind of as as normal, um, whatever it is your your normal job is, whatever it is your normal family relationships are, no matter you know wh what it is your task you're doing. Um, microdosing doesn't modify your cognition or your perception so much um, that you can't engage in your normal functioning of your ego, basically. Um, so I'm going to, I'm going to stop sharing that, but I just wanted to give that, I mean, I think that's a pretty simple screen there that describes what it is. Um, and I, if I could just, just, just reiterate simply, it's just, it's, it's not, it's nothing like the hero's dose experience. It's just, um, your normal day to day experience, just with a boost in your, your emotional ground level, let's say. Yeah, so I'm gonna stop. I'm gonna stop sharing. Mm -hmm. I um, did that. I did that for you. So okay, okay. Yeah. So yeah, great. Um. Okay. So let's let's um go back to the beginning, and I just want to quickly share. Um, what psychedelic? Ah, in case in mm. case we have people in the group that have no idea, um, what they are. So. I just heard Michael Pollan talk about it, and he said the term psychedelics were coined by an English psychiatrist in the 50s, actually. And um, it comes from a Greek word, and it said um, mind manifesting. Psychedelics are substances that alter and help us experience non-ordinary states, as Stan Groff would say, right? He says he calls them... Some people call it altered states. Some people call it um, non-ordinary um, or expansion in consciousness and awareness. So these are substances that are known since the 50s. So we have a very, very significant influences in this space, like figures like uh, Leary, 
Hoffman, I think Hoffman was the one that uh, discovered, right, Kada at the beginning, um, LSD. I think LSD. he was yeah, some lab work and then um, he just kind of, did he, do you think he stumbled upon it or this was, because I, I always hear stories that, oh, this was uh, something that they stumbled upon. I mean, he did anyway. Yeah, it wasn't, uh, it, 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 it wasn't, it wasn't a conscious intention. What was he doing with it? Was he doing like some lab medicine experiment? I think he was isolating. Um, was it psilocybin back then or was it peyote? I can't remember what was the base of the LSD. To be honest, I, 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 I recently, I recently ordered a, a book on Albert Hoffman's um, biography, um, but mm -hmm. I haven't read it yet. So I, I'm, I, I don't, I don't, I don't know exactly what his original intention was, but he was, he was, he was messing around with different, synthesizing different chemicals. Um, mm -hmm. um, but I, I'm, I, I have to do more research on it myself. But, yeah. uh, but there's, there's a biography on Albert Hoffman, which, which, which looks good. Yeah, would be interesting actually. Would be nice to hear from if you start reading it. Um, all I know that basically he was just um testing out stuff in some curious guy in a lab in yeah. in the mountains of the of Switzerland, a Swedish guy, you know, in a lab with a white coat, just kind of experimenting, and um happens to experience this LSD for the first time, and then wow, that was like in the nineteen late 30s and then into 40s they discovered oh this could be a big thing yeah, then yeah. a couple of psychologists and psychiatrists got hold of it and they like people like um the the two the aldous huxley one of my favorite guys i love his story by the way if any of you guys don't know check him out he's one of the coolest guys um he's the guy that had lsd um as he was passing right um he was um literally when he was dying he asked his missus to administer lsd for him imagine imagine um leaving this world while in that non-ordinary state i don't know it's just crazy it's just he's so brave so brave so um and he lived very long 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 long, long years so he kind of contributed a lot to the psychedelic scene so again so those are the bunch of guys in the 50s who kind of started out with a really good intention and they really thought they were onto something but then it quickly got out of hand very very, very out of hand and then you know exploded as the um what we know as the 50s um outbreak and then the fear um they didn't know what to do with it they got scared and then eventually it was um uh, illegalized which sadly uh, made us lose decades of research and study for that matter but here we are so again we have um new figures in the space of psychedelics um one of my most respected um doctor researcher uh psychologist in the space of trauma dr bezel he is now leading a mdma assisted uh therapy uh, through maps canada and for those of you who don't know MAPS Canada, they are the biggest uh, body of um, researchers um, into the field of psychedelics. So they're doing great work. I think they really are leading us into this uh, psychedelic renaissance that we call it. And uh, yeah, it's just kind of exciting. And in the last sort of five years, 
thank God to uh, Faderman, James Faderman. He, um, this is the the slide that Nadal shared. Um, his protocol, like meaning the microdosing, came about into our awareness, and now, you know, a lot of people just jumped on it. There is a massive movement on the microdosing again. Um, this is very new. In the past, it was all about the heroic dose, the macro dose, the trip that would take you several hours and then a couple of days to really come back to your usual perceived reality. But now we have this thing called microdosing that could change the entire uh, way that we deal with mental health, um, even just the general well-being because the you know the positive results that people are talking about is just too big to ignore so um and let's talk about those protocols and i know kadal you've done some research on the microdosing protocols and uh, differences maybe we can go into it a little bit if you guys have any questions, I know you're jumping on. There's not many of you, but if you do catch this live later on, make sure you ask your questions and share also. Yeah, well, I, I just to to echo your your history of the the way psychedelics has been brought into into our culture. Of course, the hero ghost kind of defined the first contact um, with psychedelics and the extreme possibilities of the mind on psychedelics were, you know, um, understandably put front and center as this unique and novel thing. And, um, uh, and of course that is what, what they are is, is incredibly powerful, extreme experiences, which do, um, kind of present, enormous oppositions and resistances to traditional institutional cognition, um, which is why traditional institutional cognition rebelled against it so fiercely. Um, it literally changes the, the egoic structure of your, of your mind. Um, and I, I, I think it changes the temporal structure of your mind. Um, I, I just think that the, the cognitive scaffolding that is required to participate and integrate oneself into a traditional institution is is just is just simply not there after prolonged exposure to intense psychedelic experience um so there's this counterculture you could say um but the microdosing movement is not i mean it's kind of uh it's kind of the child of this um movement um and at the same time it's not as aggressively against the mainstream culture or the institutional culture because it doesn't alter your cognition in such a way as that you can't participate in normal life basically like a normal middle class life or um maybe what we want to call normies or normative culture um microdosing is basically you get to keep your normal 
structure of your cognition and you can slightly improve your mood and your feeling and 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 that could be you know something that our culture does need to integrate because basically there is a, 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 a I think the degree and the extent of the mental health crisis the degree and the extent to which people feel in their normal day-to-day cognition alienated um, frustrated angry depressed and so forth is it's basically a pandemic I mean I, th- I think even I even think that's that's kind of the real pandemic um, and um, you know microdosing doesn't it's not a magic pill that you solve all your problems again but it's 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 this it's, I would situate it as part of this idea that what 20th century society in the West ran on and not even in the West but in most of you know developed countries or it's more it's more uh it's more a feature of a certain level of civilization development than western or non-western um uh, a certain level of civilization in the 20th century really ran on alcohol and cigarettes um and alcohol and cigarettes are ways in which you can numb your emotions basically um and microdosing is the opposite it it opens you more it it puts you in touch more with your emotions which does mean that you could experience a little more um like there are people who report for example that they can be a little more uncensored in their speech um they could be a little more uh, aggressive they could be a little more truthful um which will create conflicts. And look, the psychedelic movement, it, 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 no matter how it's explored, this definitely doesn't solve your social problems. It, it can even make your social problems much worse. So it, it's, it's, that's, 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 that's a danger. And that's a, that's, that's a potential risk in getting involved in this is because most of our social relationships are um, built on certain egoic mechanisms which which are which which might be actually quite fragile in relationship to the truth so this is this is this is a risk and a danger but but the overall message is that the microdosing movement is something in principle which is more in relationship to integrating experience into our normal life than it is escaping from our normal life or or going off into extreme forms of consciousness and i suppose that the mental health crisis is in some sense a function of that because our emotions are so difficult for our ego to deal with we've decided to numb them on a mass scale um and and i think alcohol cigarettes as the dominant forms of drugs in the 20th century are a symptom of that um and the transition to psychedelics the transition to integrating psychedelics is basically what it means is what what it what it signifies is we have emotions we have emotions 
we, nice. can't, we can't get away from that. We can't get away from that. You cannot get rid of negative affect. You can't get rid of negative affect. We have to learn how to be with. We have to learn how to speak. We have to learn how to move with negative affect. Mm-hmm. And microdosing can be something that can help. It can also be something that's damaging and disruptive. So it depends on how we have these conversations. Yeah. Can we go back and open a window somewhere? Because I just catch, uh, I just caught a really, really good um, uh, thing that you said about socializing. Um, psychedelics can actually disrupt the social life. Oh, totally. Um, especially in the uh let's talk about macro because um also let's just quickly define that you can consume psychedelics in three ways um and let Kadal, uh, i think you should take over here because i know um i like the way you categorize them in three you call them like the macro and then do you say the creative and then the micro yeah let me let me uh, let me show the slide where and then you and then maybe you can um yeah. you can give uh your your view on these because i'm sure you have your own experience with these yeah i just really want to touch on how um psychedelics can disrupt the social uh connections our social life well, okay can you see this can you see the screen yeah no i can yeah so this is, you see there, you see the hero's dose, the recreational dose, the creative dose, and the microdose. Mm-hmm. These uh, are great, great categories. Yeah, I really like them. So you'll see there the number one feature moving from bottom to top is basically this sub-perceptible increase in, in mood and emotion, and up to the very top where you have the most extreme possible visual and emotional experiences. I think this is a great... Um, marker for everyone in the group to really kind of see um in case because you know um although the psychedelics is like part of our life and we we sometimes don't want to talk about it but uh, these are the ways that people consume psychedelics i mean it's just crazy that uh we don't talk about these things and people i mean even look at steve jobs you know he apparently said that the reason i mean the difference between microsoft and apple is because i used lsd it's crazy. Wow. Yeah, wow. yeah, it's, yeah, it's well, a that, great. That, that, that's such a cool distinction. Right. Microsoft is, uh, I always feel Microsoft is, was, was kind of, well, like speaking about the historical origin, Microsoft was more normie. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and Apple was kind of more like the hip, cool. Yeah. Cutting edge. <laughs> <laughs> right. And he I, said, I, 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 I always do. Psychedelic trip. Yeah, I mean, we, we always hear about these stories. I don't know if you guys are aware, but um, I'm, because myself and Kadal, we're heavily involved in this space. Like we research, we study. I mean, there isn't a day that don't go by when I'm tuned into these podcasts or conversations around psychedelics. So I have a deep understanding of how um, Silicon Valley and all those people in, you know apparently they've been microdosing for decades and and the world don't know about now it's leaked it's like with the advancement of the information age everything is leaked everything is revealed um like james fadiman you will probably go into in in a moment kado 
with the microdosing because because of him um, because he's he was the one to say hey guys um, the world is while the world is asleep Silicon Valley uh, peeps are on microdosing and that's how they create these huge advancements technologies like especially people who are in the tech space they're very much into psychedelics and we, we don't even know like the the normal people don't talk about it. when I say normal I'm not saying to um, separate I'm just saying a lot of people are oblivious to this world that exists out there that some of the most successful tech companies and innovations and people who are in the tech space they owe it to the psychedelics that level of advancement that level of creativity that level of consistency apparently comes from the way they consume psychedelics so this is the truth that we can no longer deny and that's what Fadiman did right he just said hey you know this is what the, the situation is in silicon valley well i think it's i think it's i think it's also i mean if you look at the 1960s counterculture how much of our contemporary culture is shaped by that indirectly yeah i i would say the music the movies the the cult you know the culture the the ways of thinking about love the ways of thinking about community the ways of thinking about um identity are you know massively uh influenced and we underestimate enormously the degree like look at the stereotype of 1950s culture yeah like the stereotype of 1950s culture is very what we what we're calling normie you know it's it, it's very that it's almost like that that ridiculous caricature of the white picket fence with the the wife with the apron and the and the the husband with the business uh, case and the you know the ford car and the all this type of weird you know all this this normative structure and then the 1960s culture is like you see these people shaking and dancing and creating you know punk and funk and <laughs> all yeah, be, being unique and individual basically not fitting into that picture that you just yeah. described to us and and there there is a way in which that there is a way in which that eats itself and becomes its own contradiction but at the same time it really has shaped our culture in such a enormous way yeah um, I would, and, and the same yeah. tech industry like you're saying yeah, I would definitely agree with you. You know, um, one of Caroline's lectures, she says that if um, she said, don't, don't, don't be too angry or don't resent because uh, currently if we are going through this such uh, um, fast uh, spiritual growth advancement in the spiritual growth or spiritual understanding and that um, how now we kind of close the chapter in imagining a god in the clouds with a white beard imagine that that kind of um understanding is come to that come to an end she said don't don't be upset i mean you should be grateful because we owe it to the counterculture it's because of them that we came to this understanding now that that we suddenly feel like we're we are seeing a bigger picture oh my god the god actually is not a white bearded man in the clouds actually we it's uh, you know that that knowing 
connection, the oneness, the collective is inside of everyone. And now we're connecting to something bigger beyond us. She was saying, like, don't get too upset. Let's just thank those guys that who did this this whole movement of obviously she didn't speak about psychedelics, but this is now we know that this is what happened. So it, it's it's almost impossible for, for me to imagine what 1960s counterculture would have been without psychedelics. It, it may not have even been possible. Yeah. yeah. I, I think I think it's not it's not reducible to well it's 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 kind of like it it opens up new conditions of possibility. Yeah. Because yeah. it because it's changing the very structure of our egos. So because it changes the very structure of our egos the the culture and the society and the art and the tech that's produced is different yeah that's where it's coming yeah. from there's a paradox um if, if you want to i don't know if you want to kevin just put a an interesting comment which might might require some some engagement attention yeah, attention. yeah. let's go do so, we have a mental health problem or an or an insane society we are continually trying to adapt to it's a great I, great question to, to me i would say it's obviously both like because it's it's they're 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 entangled like our site it's hard for me to know how do we disentangle the psyche and society because society psyche and like psyches produce society and society feeds back on the psyche um like i think the mental health like i would define the mental health crisis in like my observations of society and in my working with 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 people who have mental health problems is that is that our society doesn't know how to deal with negative affect and the way in which our society treats negative affect because negative affect um it it reduces efficiency it reduces functionality it so they, like what the, all the cognitive behavioral therapy and all of the ideology in the mental health sphere is basically trying to make us more efficient and more functional and trying to get rid of our negative affect. But I think that this, the only way you can do that is by turning humans into robots. And humans aren't robots. Yeah, mm -hmm. and humans have emotions, and our society, if it's going to be not insane, is going to look a lot more uh, affective, yeah, um, 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 emotional, and 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 that, but that might appear insane. To the people who are resisting the necessity of that, yeah, Which like it does. the people, the people who think we should throw antidepressants and SSRIs at people because they have trauma or because they have deep, you know, dependency, safety, love issues um substance abuse issues they are going to they are functional cognitive entities 
which are so out of touch with their own emotional systems that they will see any emergence of extremely emotional, affective individuals as a threat and insane. Yeah. So there's a paradox of the insanity because what we see as insane, they'll also see as mm -hmm. insane. And it's like, and the psyche and the social are, are, are connected in a weird way. And it's not clear, like, it's not like to me when it comes to insanity, it's like, this is like, this is really what postmodernism is about. Like, like, and here, this is not a straw man of postmodernism. Like, post, like some of the foundational texts of postmodernism, like Foucault and Derrida, some of the foundational thinkers, like Foucault is talking about madness and civilization. Like he's talking about how madness is irreducible and how we've put mad people away into a, into a safe house. But really, we're all mad. And, and, and madness is actually superior in some sense to reason. Um, that, that it's rational, people who think they're rational, putting mad people away into a safe house, away from everyone, um, yeah. when really we're all mad. Or like, for example, Derrida's talking about how, how people, rational people thought that they could conceptualize everything and put everything into clear boxes. But actually, you, there's something about what we are which is uncategorizable, which you can't put into a box. Like, think about like how people say, like, for example, get married and have kids. They think that they can put that into a box. Like the, like the normie culture of the 1950s, they literally made a box where yeah. everyone could fit into the box. But I think that's necessary. I think that's this is crucial, critical, if any, if anything. Go go into that. Um, it's really critical because um, I go. I'm going to go with the concept of what you said. We are all mad in essence. We're all crazy. We're all crazy in essence, right? Absolutely. And, that's why I, I think so. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm going to go with that because here's the thing. So let's look at the madness or the insanity or the craziness in a sort of like the beginning. Or at least a starting point, like like a autism spectrum. You know, on the autism spectrum, you have like a mild to very intense autism, because autism is not just one thing, and that's why they call it the spectrum. Because autism comes with many complexities, uh, symptoms. Uh, it's it's very very complex. That's why they they cannot put it in a box. So what they've done, they kind of put it on a spectrum. So a lot of people understand it when we talk about, okay, there are some people on the light end of the autism spectrum, which means they are functional, they have these little hiccups and there's like little limitations, but it's not affecting their life. But then as you move over uh, to the other end of the uh, heavier uh, side of the autism spectrum, it's, it's truly um, limiting, life limiting, right? So I'm going to take your craziness on the mental like madness is is the same. So we have these people <clears throat> on the light end of the madness who believe that the other end of the people on on the other end of the crazy ones which is like goes into schizophrenia and other deeper mental illnesses they get locked up. <clears throat> so but ultimately we are all in the on the same boat we're all crazy all mad but we just have different levels of it different shades different 
ways of functioning. So ultimately, we're all functioning crazy people, right? Let's just make that clear because it just makes it so much more uh, open. You, you universalize the madness. It's no longer. It's no longer that there's actually normal people, and then mm -hmm. mad people on the fringe. Yeah. It's it's we're all kind of mad, and there are people who are more or less capable of adapting to yeah an illusion of normality this is it but this happened in the west because look look recently i've been very interested in going deep into the uh, psychedelics use in the in an indigenous tribal way right in back in the day you know thousands of years ago how did these people and tribes they use the psychedelics so i really go into that and um, there is a massive disconnection as soon as the civilization began, as soon as this uh, industrial industrial world and civilization advancement began, uh, something happened to us. Something happened to us. Like uh, maybe you might say it's the the um, evolution of the language, intelligence, intellectual uh, aspect of ourselves. Maybe um, started disowning because it's looking like okay, that's a bit too caveman. I don't want to go there. I don't know. I don't know the answer, but something happened that we moved away from this ritualistic living, ritualistic way of life. And that's why uh, a schizophrenic person in an indigenous tribe would be regarded as enlightened, an enlightened person, a wise person. And then the same person, we end up in the West put, putting him away, numbing, locking him up, right? How did we get here? What happened? How did we get here? This is what I cannot get my head around. Okay, I understand the advancement, the civilization, industrialization. I call it, um, I actually call it, um, uh, there is a word that I always used to use, um, domesticated. We've been domesticated. Yeah. And we totally started looking at, uh, Anyone who uses psychedelics is crazy. Anyone who talks their truth, be with their truth, crazy. If you be with your truth, you're crazy because it just doesn't fit in the box, like you said. And, and you said to be go into it. Why is it critical? Because now look at the look where we came, where we are. Look at the point that we arrived. If we cannot put these things in boxes, you will be labeled as crazy, outcast, woo-woo, uh, silly, mad, crazy. You'll be labeled because you won't fit. And this is exactly the point I wanted to make when you first started out saying psychedelics can actually be very disruptive, dysfunctional in the societal um, uh, setup that we have now as we know it, life as we know it now. It is a setup. And psychedelics actually don't fit in it because it can do many things and one of the things we know that people who go to retreats and they have a macro heroic doses and they come back with altered perceptions guess what they no longer are fitting in where they left they come back to the same place and they're like okay now what do i do and they go into a huge depression sometimes these heroic doses actually can be very detrimental because if you don't have the support, if you don't have the understanding and um, you haven't done self-work, but you just kind of go with the trend and then experience psychedelics, all it's going to do is, okay, you might connect to the divine within you, find some understanding, deeper meaning, um, 
you know, but it's not, it's not going to last. Yes, the effects, the memory, the, the, you can reminisce and go back into the memory and keep remembering your experience, but it's not going to last because the environment you come back into is still in a box. And this is why psychedelics are really, really crucial that we understand. And I also uh, quickly just touch on the SSRI. It's, it is necessary because SSRI and antidepressants are necessary to keep us in the box. Otherwise, we'll go mad. Like Kadel said, if we are not going to be with our emotions and if that's something very scary to be, just be with it, then I'm afraid we're going to have to opt all those SSRIs and antidepressants because we will go mad. And those are the things that, as you guys know, they treat symptoms right they don't they numb you they kind of put you back in the box let's let's just say what are your thoughts yeah well there's lots of dialectical paradoxes here with with what you're talking about um it's really it's really the location of where as a philosopher i i try to think about all these these paradoxes of of, of 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 what you're of what you're talking about. I mean, it's 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 really the ground of so many cultural conflicts, culture wars, and and um, yeah. There's 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 no easy solutions here. But as it regards the schizophrenic mind, you know, the schizophrenic mind is really at the foundations of postmodernism. I want to I want to emphasize that and and in order to demonstrate um, like a principle if you want of this schizophrenic mind I want to share a quote by one of the the major texts of postmodernism which is called Anti-Oedipus by Gilles Deleuze and um, his co-author uh, Felix Guattari and th so there are two two authors and this is a famous quote by them said and this is in regards to their this is this is a quote in regards to their reflection on their writing process so they said since each one of us was several there was already quite a crowd so basically what that means is is because each of us was multiple identities there was already a crowd that wrote this book so that's a the schizophrenic mind has many identities and it can hold many identities um of course on the far end of schizophrenia is you know you 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 have people who have literally split where these identities no longer recognize that they're being housed in the same body and that's quite dangerous yeah it's quite quite dangerous actually um there's a good movie um split uh, which basically is about someone who has multiple identities, which don't know, which basically are, you know, totally self-contained, and they do contradictory things within the same body. Yeah, it's a so bit. That, yeah, yeah, reminds me reminds me of the Undone. You know, the Amazon uh, series that we watched, Undone. It, yeah. It, it's the same as the lead um, character, right? She she also had schizophrenic tendencies, and it was crazy to watch how she would just, you know, jump from one reality to the next. And uh, 
Yeah. Right. Yeah, I I get that. Yeah, it's uh, it's very. And then there's and then there's the 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 opposite, which is very. It it tries to make itself a coherent identity. It tries to make the opposite of it is. You might say it's like on the spectrum. It it's the more autistic end where it tries to be. It tries to use language to make everything known. Mm-hmm. It tries to make everything known, any surprise, any new experience um, is seen as a threat. Yes. Identity. Um, it is. Tries to make everything as rational as possible. And as a consequence of that, usually they, they struggle immensely with social life. So, um, you know, I think if you go to the extreme of either end, um, social life is impossible. Yes. Yeah. Because if you're on the far end of the schizophrenic end, you are literally an enormous threat to everyone else in the society. Yeah. Because there's no way to know what identity is operating within you and what that identity's motives are. And there's no way of holding you accountable for fundamentally contradictory activity. Yeah. Whereas on the other end of the spectrum, when you're just so rigid in your identity that you can't move basically, there's no possibility for real conversation. Yeah. Yeah, this is it. And, um... So now we have this to work with. I think this set a really great foundation or a good context in um, what are we doing, what are we trying to do with the psychedelics. And, and this has been the case for decades. Like it's almost, it used to be, I mean, for many still, they think that psychedelics are impossible to integrate to our this, because we're already complex. We already have these challenges. We already have this craziness. And and bringing psychedelics into the scene, it just kind of amplifies all of that. I think that's one of the biggest threats to the authorities and, and many of these um, um, authority, uh, authorities, let's say, that are trying to keep us in boxes so that we are not dangerous to ourselves, to the environment. We listen, we obey, we do, you know, we go um, business as usual. And yet, deep inside of us, there is a crisis, there is a chaos, because those emotions cannot be put in a box. But just because of the societal pressure and expectation and um, the way it's set up for us, it's almost like we have no choice but to um, suppress, suppress, suppress. So I saw, I saw a comment this morning in one of the Facebook groups that I engage a lot. She said that. Um, this week she started a she started her antidepressants um, because she suffers from bipolar and immediately she felt that she was losing the intuition she was losing her connection to her body her sensations basically she was being numbed um, but then it made her function better so she was in dilemma do i take the ssri or do i i mean 
basically just to function in the societal um, structure. She just now, it's a binary decision. Take SSRI and function. Don't take SSRI, be the outcast and suffer the consequences. This is where we are at. This is truly, this is what it came down to in terms of dealing with emotions. Like you said, if the emotions are there and you can't get rid of it, you can't do anything with it, but, but just to be with it, which is an, a, it's probably the most horrific thing for other people to do, to be with their emotions, right? It's the most scariest thing to do. Absolutely. So now, obviously the psychedelics are going to be a massive enhancer, um, amplifier of all of those emotions as we see them like some of those retreats that we attend and we do and facilitate um people can go into these um incredible expressive you know screaming shouting running around type of thing like these are emotions you cannot contain them they cannot contain them because they suppressed it so much for years and years all their lives suddenly um psychedelics give them the outlet to just pour it all out, express it, you know, just be with it. It's just, and if it wasn't for that setting, imagine doing that at home. Imagine doing that at home when there's like family around. Imagine you'll be taken to the first and nearest clinic to be, you know, known down. And yet when we take psychedelics in a retreat setting, when people take off their clothes, run around, scream, shout, and really express those emotions that's been suppressed in their nervous level, nervous systems, we say, okay, beautiful, beautiful, keep going, you're doing amazing, you're doing amazing, you're doing amazing. Like everybody kind of holds space for that person and we no longer judge them. Why? Because, oh, suddenly it's a retreat setting. Suddenly, okay, this is, it's, it's like, okay, we can put those um, judgments and things aside because this is why we came here for. We came here to heal, find something, connect, uh, explore, explore the self. And luckily we're in a space now that uh, a lot of us um, read, learn that a lot of the traumas, emotional traumas are suppressed and held by the body in the nervous system. So now, again, this information is not out there for everyone, which is really sad because Again, a lot of us still carry a deep, deep, deep stigma around negativity, around psychedelics as something dangerous, something that I even saw um, a comment recently when I posted the mini blog on uh, psilocybin. Somebody said that uh, psilocybin is very, very dangerous. And I said, of course it's dangerous because it's, it's going to encourage you to go through a symbolic death and rebirth. Of course it's dangerous. For that matter, it's very dangerous because it's going to ask you to be more open and to be with your emotions, to let go, to, to open a window for transformation, maybe a glimpse of something else that, you know, that you're not, um, you didn't have the courage to, to go into before. So on and so forth. There's so much that goes on in that space. But ultimately now we're here in this place of what do we do with the psychedelics? Now it's coming at us really fast. It's coming too fast. Um, for those of you that are not in the psychedelic space, you may not be aware because this is something that, you know, sometimes you've got to be in it to really know what's going on. But from our observations, it's coming at us really fast. And soon 
I'm thinking within five years, a lot of this psychedelic is going to be available and legalized and maybe uh, controlled and available still some, some, at some level, especially mental health, you know. Yeah. What are your thoughts on that, though? About the degree to which it will be integrated into our society? Well, I think, yeah. yeah. It's almost like we're being pushed. It's almost like uh, whether we like it or not, it's coming. It's coming at a very fast pace. That's how I feel with the psychedelics right now. Yeah, I think that, okay, so, so one of the aspects I would say of being a dialectical thinker is that you become aware of a, a, a tug and pull of oppositions, like a back and forth of oppositions, like emotion can come in one way and it's like, oh, it's going to take over everything. And then there can be a counter motion, which totally pushes in the other way, and it can be totally unexpected. So, so, like you saw that, for example, like if you were, if you, like, for example, I read Timothy Leary's original papers from the 1950s when he was doing research at Harvard. And he thought psychedelics were just going to take over society. But then there was a counter force which made them totally illegal. Um, and he was put as enemy number one by the US state. So I'm not saying that's going to happen, but I, what I am saying is that there is this new wave, which does seem incredibly powerful and which is different than the wave of the 1960s. For sure, yeah. Way different, way different. So it's not the same movement at all. Mm -hmm. it, there is a wave where psychedelics is coming into society in a type of, like we've talked about this before, as like a mycelium network, mm -hmm. underground. It's, it's, it's kind of, it's something that's happening even if it's illegal. It's, it's, kind, of, it's kind of moving around in, in such a complex web with so many different complex identities, which are, so much in some sense more integrated with the psychedelic real than people in the 50s and 60s could be mm -hmm. just because of how much has changed since then. Um, and at the same time, I'm, I'm just trying to think what counter forces might be at work, which could reverse some, some, some of these processes. And I only do that um, to provoke in some sense for us to think to, to not be to not to not be naive about the possibility of extreme backlash like for example like like think about the internet with youtube and facebook and all the social media we use yeah there's a way in which people feel this is a liberation where now we can put out our own content and we can distribute our own content and we can be our own content creators and stuff like that which is extremely liberating. Yeah. And then at you the, have, at the same time, yeah. You have a counterforce where like for example, I've put up stuff on YouTube where they just take it down. Right. And there's and no there's no trial, there's no appeal, there's no process. It's just a dictatorship. They just take mm -hmm. it down. So um <clears throat> so we have to be aware that there will be forces. Mhm. Mm that do not like this happening, that see this as a threat, mm 
because it yeah. is a threat. Like it is a threat. Like, um, like I, when I talk to people who are trying to get help from clinical psychologists, it's obvious to me that the clinical psychologists are not self-reflective and that they're actually trying to prevent the emergence of connection to self. Yeah. So if we are a force which is in, in encouraging people to connect to their own self and to connect to their own truth and to connect to their own emotion and to think about methods to bring that out into the world, that is a threat. It is. Can I just jump in here? Because I really want to go back a little bit about the mycelium network underground uh, theory. This is so cool. Um, so I hear a lot of influences in the psychedelic space with podcasts. You know, they're very successful podcasts. I heard actually one really big podcast name I'm going to mention. Um, the host said, the host said, obviously he was all for the psychedelic movement, all for the uh, psychedelic renaissance, right? So he, he, and also he's a much older gentleman. So obviously he's very much carries that resentment. Uh, what happened in the 50s, that psychedelics were kind of taken away. Just like you said, like YouTube, you put your, because what they did is like those guys, <clears throat> especially his age, they felt like, oh my God, like how we found YouTube. Oh my God, we can put out, we can be autonomous, we can be liberated, we can be independent, put the content out there. And then like you said, something comes and just takes it away. And the very first thing we feel is like, ah, oh, we sense it, this feels horrible. I don't wanna feel this way. I just feel like I'm now, um, I don't feel so in, uh, confident and I don't feel so free anymore. Same thing. And this gentleman was saying that we lost decades. He was really, really resentful. He said, we lost decades of valuable research, learning, maybe advancement in mental health because psychedelics were shut down and uh, they were they made illegal. But my theory is, no, we didn't lose any anything. If anything, um, those last decades that you know we had that strict control, psychedelics once they were founded and they were out in the world like the mycelium because if you guys watch fantastic fungi you will really understand how mycelium works in the underground and if you ever grown your own mushrooms you will know that mushrooms will take it looks like nothing is happening for a long time and then the moment they pop it's like overnight they're fully grown it's it's a bit like that so i i see this psychedelic movement the renaissance the same so what happened in those decades that we think we lost time research you know valuable amount of advancement we didn't because it kind of penetrated underground and so many people are underground right now in such a good position uh, that overnight this momentum this force is going to come and suddenly um, I also see the pandemic as an extra layer of push into the psychedelic renaissance because of what's happening in this pandemic world people are suddenly open to psychedelics and they are actually seeking so there are more people seeking psychedelics now than ever before because of pandemic 
what happened right now during this pandemic. So it's also a bit like the uh, Chinese um, Chinese theory on the bamboo tree. Uh, if you know the, the so the bamboo tree is like symbolic in the spiritual growth. Bamboo tree apparently takes around five years just forming its roots. And then within 48 hours, it goes like six feet tall. I see psychedelic renaissance exactly like that. This force is coming at us. And even those people who are not familiar or totally against it or not interested are becoming interested, which is incredible. And the one last thing I want to say about that is that also that generation who did the work underground behind the closed doors, you know, secretly. They are not now uh, fully grown adults who really feel deeply passionate about psychedelics and they are the force of nature and they are the ones that are pushing this psychedelic renaissance in such momentum. I think we need to acknowledge that also. And those guys who completely were against psychedelics and they did everything in their power to stop the movement, um, that generation is now dying out, they're passing. So we're losing that. So now we've got this brand new strong generation of uh, psychedelic enthusiasts are just coming out globally. So this is, this is my theory on the, what's going on with the world of psychedelics and um, interesting times, very interesting times going forward. And um, I just wanna tie it with the microdosing and I think microdosing can be that agent to help us integrate into our daily life as an alternative medicine without the implications, without the tripping, without the complications, without, I think it's such a great way to um, explore it in a way that is kind of, you're still in control somehow, gives you that sense of control and you still can explore something that you may have been scared of in the past in a very mild and gentle way. Yeah. So um, this is my crossing, guys. So any questions, um, please do share in the comments because we're going to be talking more about microdosing. We'll probably go in more details in a scientific way on the next talk. What do you think, Kara? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that um you know your your analysis of what what's what's emerging is is definitely um you know spot on there there is there is a there is a force and this this force um uh has a a nature and a complexity which is certainly different from the the nature of the the force that was present in the in the counterculture in some sense it's much more mature and in some sense it is a logical counter reaction to the force which was unleashed against it um in the 70s and and that's 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 you know part of the um part of the, i think the dialectical process um but it it i i just i just i not not to be a killjoy but it does operate in the reverse way where the counter force can become even more um, counterforce counter can also evolve. 
smarter, get smarter and more. Yeah. Oh, they, they, they're, they're a vault. It's like a, it's like a war. Mm -hmm. so it's arms race. And, and, and I'm not saying, I'm not saying that that will happen. I, I hope my hope um, is that we gain the capacity to approach the mind in, in a real way. Um, mm -hmm. and, and to work with, to work with the raw material of what we really are. Um, and, I, and, and, um, you know, as, as I see contemporary psychology and as I see contemporary industry, um, I see that my hope will be a threat. Um, and, 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 you know, in my experience with those egos, I mean, they can be vicious. Yeah. Um, and, and, uh, you know, it, it's just, it's just going to take a lot. It's going to take a lot of people who not only are in touch with the core of themselves and not only in touch with the core of the psychedelic experience, but who are also capable of infiltrating in some sense, the normie world. And yeah. that's, and that's going to take a unique type of consciousness. Mm -hmm. um, it's not easy, you know, like, and, and in my experience, you know, like I remember when I started my PhD, it coincided with my first mega ayahuasca experiences. And uh, it created enormous problems for me in the institutions. Um, and at the same time, I still think it's the right direction to go. Um, but the amount of resistance and the amount of, um, um, you know, conflict and problems that you can encounter trying to integrate yourself, um, yeah. is, uh, is, 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 it, it, it's a battle. Yeah, for sure. And I want to just also, um, drop in, uh, what I heard from Michael Pollan. He said, if you ever want to understand complex sim sim systems, disturb them. I think your ayahuasca experience co coinciding with your PhD is exactly what that is, maybe disturbing uh, to, you know, it's like a huge disturbance uh, counteracting what was going on. Suddenly, just kind of you ripped out of your reality. I'm like, oh my God, I just experienced this. What is that? Now, what do I do with this type of thing? And um, yeah, so. I just want to say one last thing as we're coming to end of our conversation that one of the, the best things I've heard recently is from Stan Groff. You know, when they said, because Stan Groff is one of the guys, the pioneers of psychedelic from the beginning till now, he's still alive. Thank God. He's so much experience. I think he's going to be one of the most um, anchors and valuable people or figures, influences in the psychedelic space. And because um, he's been through that, that, period or when it was shut down, legalized, taken away. Um, and they said to him, so what should we do? What should we do? Like what's what's happening? It, it's coming at us too fast and it's happening. It's evolving too much and too quick. And he said, don't mess it up this time. Just be responsible and mature. I think this is what we need. We need to be more mature, responsible this time. Like you said, the opposition will also be evolving and counteracting in the ways that we probably don't know yet as this is all coming out but i find that we found a great outlet as such as mental health 
to infiltrate into the space uh, with more intelligence, with more um, care and responsibility, I think. These are my thoughts in the way that we can, anyone who's in the psychedelic space and who's had benefits and received a lot of, um, you know, healing and uh, change and transformation, I think you guys have a lot to do, meaning a lot of responsibility in carrying this forward in a way that it's not resentful, not um, triggered or like reactional, but really mature and kind of compassionate in a way. And I think um, we are in that, this is a very interesting times and I'm actually really excited because the microdosing, when it first came out, everybody started experimenting. And uh, I think it was Paul Stamets, he went on a show with Joe Rogan and from that mm -hmm. conversation, this app was created where everybody was asked to report their results on their own microdosing experience of psilocybin. And then suddenly tens of thousands of people joined. So by just throwing it out there, it was just a little idea that came out of their conversation, now became a massive body of data proving that microdosing works. Uh, it was an anonymous thing that people could just kind of sign up and talk about their experiences and give give some sort of uh, data. It's incredible. So I think this is the the route that we need to go: collect data, be mature about it, be more responsible, take ownership. Again, it goes really hand in hand with our values in this group: self agency, responsibility. Um, you know, going deeper in our self work with psychedelics, microdosing for that matter, but just be very, very um, mature and responsible about it, I think. These will be my last words. And let's take your last words of wisdom as we come to the end of our conversation. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't have much to, to add to that other than just that, you know, microdosing is definitely a distinct phenomenon from the typical hero's dosing. I think it's, it's kind of a, an interesting bridge between uh, worlds um and it is a potential tool in our attempt to cultivate a more um rich life which is in touch with the whole range of our emotional um um experience or cognition or um however you want to however you want to say it really um and uh in my in my personal experience um it, it it has it has been um it has it has been a, a useful tool and i hope that um i can play my part in in helping others connect with it amazing <clears throat> okay thank you so much thanks for your time as always and thank you everybody for joining us for all your comments i'm going to be checking them in a minute um we're going to see you again next sunday same time so stay tuned much love see you again